This is the Fiddle Chronicles radio show for August 17th, 2019. Who was Joseph Mifsid? This time, Jason Cousineau and I revisit the Mueller report and discuss one of the biggest mysteries that remains. Who is or who was Joseph Mifsid? One of the key figures who supplied some of the original information that led to the investigation into the possible collusion or conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian operatives. Where did Mr. Misfid come from? Who did he really work for? What were his ties to the Russian Internet Research Agency? His possible contribution to the Steele dossier? And we speculate on why Robert Mueller's team did not pursue perjury charges against Mr. Mifsid when he was caught lying to them. And where is Joseph Mifsid now? You can support the Fedora Chronicles radio show by visiting our Zazzle page. Exactly 12.5% of every purchase goes to keeping this and other shows on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. Or you can become a Patreon. Click on the Patreon link and for a mere dollar a month, you'll get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're working on, and so much more. Thank you for your support in advance and thank you to all of our listeners who have already contributed. With that said, I'm Eric Render King Fisk. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is probably going to be one of the weirdest, creepiest episodes of the Fedora Chronicles Network presents the Metaphysical Connections News of the Week with Jason Cousineau. For the simple fact of the matter is, is that we were sort of turned on to the subject by somebody who wanted to remain anonymous. And whenever you have somebody who wants to be anonymous and says something akin to follow the money, <laughs> you, you know that you're going to go down a rabbit hole. And, and like I said, yeah. when the first time we started recording this episode, I said, we're going to call this the, the Mufsid rabbit hole, as it were. Um, and this is, this is the news of the week um, with Jason Cousineau for August 10th. And this is going to be really exciting because we're really releasing three podcasts in a row here, Jay. We're doing the one that we recorded when you were here, when we were drinking, because I finally <laughs> got that up and running. The fan appreciation episode uh, will be uh, Friday, meaning tomorrow. And then this episode will air on the day that it's, it's supposed to air because we're, we're all getting all caught up. But somebody who is an avid listener... And I've known this person for decades. And maybe I'm saying too much. He said, Eric, I really, really liked the episode that you did on the Mueller report. That was some, that, that was some top-notch work. That was like Art Bell level material. And for somebody who does a podcast on the paranormal and conspiracy theories, that's probably... That's high praise. That's, that's high praise. So... He had said, but I'm really disappointed that you didn't get into Joseph Mufsid. You didn't talk enough about Joseph Mufsid because he is the linchpin of the entire Mueller report. And he is the fulcrum. It's nice that he used the word fulcrum. He is the fulcrum of every conspiracy theory that uh, between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump for the past five years. Everything, everything about all the conspiracy theories about this, everything rests on this one guy's back. If it wasn't for Joseph Mufsid, we would not have the 
controversy surrounding the Clinton email server. Because if it wasn't for Joseph Mufsid, this would not be a big a deal. Not in the slightest. If it wasn't for Joseph Mufsid, we wouldn't have the allegations of uh, uh, conspiracy and collusion with the Russians. Because Joseph Mufsid is one of the people who said, hey, I, we got dirt on Hillary. Let's meet with Donald Trump Jr. And if it wasn't for Joseph Mufsid, I don't think that we would know how stupid Donald Trump Jr. really is. And that's that's a high bar to set. <laughs> yeah. Who? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but you know. And, and here's one of the things that I think that we also really need to be careful about. And we are not Donald Trump fans. True. Okay. Were it not for Donald Trump and his family being a bunch of scumbags, this would we would not be having this conversation right now. If Donald Jr. did the right thing and went directly to the FBI when he found out that somebody was trying to offer him dirt, we would not be in this mess. And there wouldn't be the allegations against Donald Trump, President Donald Trump. Right. So where where exactly do we begin and how far back do we want to go? I say we might want to go back to um, Hillary Clinton's illegal email server. You might. Yes. So Jay, Jay here is the resident expert on all things tech. What now, as far as you can tell us in layman's terms, what was illegal or wrong about Hillary Clinton's email server. Hillary Clinton's Hillary's email server was um, illegal because it was outside of the control of the federal government. The federal government has strict regulations regarding security measures, um, just in general to handle data. But when you talk, you're talking about a high-level cabinet-level person like Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. They are very, very very strict because there will be top secret information that is being communicated back and forth. So you have two different levels of security that are being discussed here. One is the devices that are used to access that email and also the server itself. Her having an email server in and of itself is not that big of a deal. Right. It really isn't. The problem comes in is that it did not meet the requirements that the federal government has for communications servers. And it's kind of a fine point because that the whole investigation, the result of the investigation, changed the way the government handles these things. Now, it is actually illegal now for someone to have their own email server that's handling that sensitive information. And it's all because of this investigation. So that's another thing I think that is important to find out or to discuss. So she also yep. the the devices that are being sent out. Now we have more security on endpoint devices like tablets, cell phones, what have you, that can make that communication secure. Back then, even though it wasn't that long ago, I mean we're talking about what, eight years, if that? Yeah. Back then, we did not have those same security measures as we do now. Um, now we can actually track communications from 
our point of origin, all of the servers that it touches to delivery on the endpoint device. Back then, we couldn't necessarily do that. Right. And I've said this numerous times, people need to think of emails as postcards, not as a letter. A letter is in an envelope. You have to open the envelope to read what's in the letter. You can do some things like hold it up to the light to kind of get an idea of what's on there, but you can't really read it. A postcard, anyone that gets a hold of it can read it. Right. And that is more akin to what email is. So being able to track the chain of communication of transit from point of origin to point of destination is important. And we did not have a rely as reliable a way of doing it back then. So her having a server and using um and using various endpoints to access the email that was sent through that server and that server not meeting the requirements of the government as they existed at the time is what we're running into. So um, one of the things that was brought up when we discussed this last week, that something that was mentioned in the, the Mueller investigation, um, and it was kind of peripheral to it. It wasn't... Sure. Um, if I remember, and, and I may be confusing this because it's been a while, um, may not have been part of the Mueller investigation, but part of the investigation into Hillary's emails. She lied to Congress during that investigation yes. about the devices that she was, she said she only ever read her email from one device. Right. And that was factually proven to be false. Right. Because they know for a fact that she had three different cell phones. Good morning, Director Comey. Uh, Secretary Clinton said she never sent or received any classified information over her private email. Was that true? Our investigation found that there was classified information sent. So it was not true? It, right. That's what I said. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm looking for a little shorter answer, so you and I are not here quite as long. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails, either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. Secretary Clinton three, said, I did not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? No, there was classified material emailed. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? She used multiple devices during the four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails were returned to the State Department. Was that true? No, we found work-related emails, thousands, that were not returned. Secretary Clinton said neither she nor anyone else deleted work-related emails from her personal account. Was that true? That's a harder one to answer. Uh, we found traces of work-related emails uh, in, on devices or in Slack space, whether they were deleted or whether when a server was changed out, something happened to them. There's no doubt that there were work-related emails that were removed electronically from the the email system. Secretary Clinton said her lawyers read every one of the emails and were overly inclusive. Did her lawyers read the email content individually? No. And to be fair, she may be thinking, well, I only read it for my cell phone, that's one device. Right. That she may be thinking of that. But right. I would think someone as intelligent as she is would realize that three separate cell phones are three separate devices. Exactly. Three separate things. Exactly. You know, I would assume that. I've, I can't say that I've owned one car because I've only ever driven, you know, I've driven only one car at a time, so I've only had one car. Right. That's akin to what she's saying when she says that. 
and no one of reasonable intelligence. And Hillary Clinton, say what you like about her. She's not stupid. She is an intelligent person. Right. We also know for a fact that she's not tech savvy. Two days ago, uh, Director, you said a reasonable person in her position should have known a private email was no place to send and receive classified information. Uh, you're right. An average person does know not to do that. Uh, this is no average person. This is a former First Lady, a former United States Senator, and a former Secretary of State that the President now contends is the most competent, qualified person to be president since Jefferson. He didn't say that in 08, but he says it now. She affirmatively rejected efforts to give her a state.gov account. She kept these private emails for almost two years and only turned them over to Congress because we found out she had a private email account. So you have a rogue email system set up before she took the oath of office. Thousands of what we now know to be classified emails, some of which were classified at the time. One of her more frequent email comrades was in fact hacked, and you don't know whether or not she was. And this scheme took place over a long period of time and resulted in the destruction of public records. And yet you say there is insufficient evidence of intent. You say she was extremely careless, but not intentionally so. Right. She isn't, but at the same time, there's, um, people will use that as an excuse, but it's to draw that c conclusion that, well, she's not tech savvy. Okay, so she doesn't pay it, she doesn't notice when she gets a new cell phone. Uh, My mom yeah. has had three cell phones in her life so far. My mom is, you can't really describe her as a Luddite, but when it comes to cell phones, she practically is. She, right. she turns it on to make a phone call and then turns it back off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh right? at that. I should not laugh at that. Especially Why not? It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> by the way. You know, she's only recently, 10 years after her first cell phone, which, by the way, she's on her third cell phone. The second one she had for a grand total of, like, I think it was six or nine months because it broke. So, and that one I don't think was ever powered on, other than to like get everything set up on it. I think she turned it off after that and never used it again. All right. But, um, but only now is she realizing that she can leave it on. You know, it's just, it's anyway. Well, the thing is, is that we also have to be careful because she is one of our avid listeners. And I believe that she's been promoting the hell out of the show, telling everybody in your hometown, hey, my, son, <laughs> my son's on a podcast. <laughs> And then she has to explain what a podcast is, which is just hilarious. Right. Because she's not entirely sure what it is. She's like, it's kind of a radio station. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. So, but anyway, regardless. Um, so I think her saying that she's only ever used one device and using the excuse that she's only ever used her cell phone for it. I think that's kind of a thin cover for her. I think she's smart enough. And she may not be tech savvy, but damn it, you can tell when you're using a different cell phone. You really can. You'd like to and, think so. By the way, it's factually false anyway, because from the records they got from her cell phone server, they know that the emails on there were being sent to more than one device, not which is what the question was asking. Not only that, many of the emails, we, we talked about this briefly in an earlier show, and we're not going to do go too much down this rabbit hole over her email servers. But the thing is, it's important to realize were it not for the email server, we would not have this controversy. 
Hil- yes. Hillary Clinton apparently had a problem reading some of her emails off of her handheld device. So she had her assistant, Uma Aberdeen, who has not been cleared to, I don't believe she's been cleared. She, I don't believe she's ever had any kind of security clearance. She was asked. I, I'd have to look into that. I don't really know. I, I, I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. So the thing is, is that Uma Aberdeen had been asked to print off emails for Hillary to read on a piece of paper because she had a hard time reading them on her various electronic devices. Uma Aberdeen's husband, Anthony Weiner, <laughs> Anthony Weiner was has been compromised because he's he was caught sending nude pictures of himself to underage girls. And he's he's done time for it. He's he's under probation. I think he lost his law license over this. Uh, the, the, the guy's in bad shape. And he's uh, he he has been a security risk, and that's that's one of the biggest problems that we have with her email server is that not only has it been hacked, and that's something we're going to talk a lot about later on. Not only has she been hacked, but she's also granted access to emails that other people should not be reading. Right. Okay. Right. She is not, and this is where the whole email investigation thing got really kind of off track. Right. Is I think what the truth, the crux of the matter came down to is that Hillary thought that as Secretary of State, she could decide who was trustworthy and who wasn't. Right. And that is not the case. The Secretary of State, none of the cabinet level members decide who gets a, a security clearance and who doesn't. They recommend people for it, but there is a poly- there is a process that is followed at the federal level that determines whether someone should or should not have a security clearance. And if Huma Aberdeen, who was highly placed in um, the Obama administration, did not qualify for a security clearance, that would should raise some eyebrows. Right. Um, I personally believe there's probably a number of people within... Donald Trump's administration that should not have a security clearance. Oh, probably uh, do anyway. Which uh, goes to show you that our federal government is really just becoming such a fucking joke. And one of the greatest controversies during the Trump administration is getting security clearances for his children, his adult children, and his son-in-law, Jared Kirshner. And Jared Kirshner, he is a controversial character that then there's no way around that i mean he's how how did he rise to a position of power other than the fact that he married the president's daughter well the the truth of the matter too is part of the requirements for attaining a security clearance is necessity right whether you need to have access to that information and to be honest with you the children of the president whether they're adults or not unless they're holding a position within the government, do not have a need to have access to that information. I mean, George Bush's twin daughters didn't have security clearances. Right. I don't think... They had no need to. I don't think Tiffany Trump needed to have a security clearance. I mean, call me crazy. I don't mean to sound (laughs) sexist. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, to be fair, neither did um, Obama's children. They didn't need to have a security clearance either. Right. 
and there's like a several years difference in age between Bush's kids and Obama's kids. Right. But the point is that he, just because they're members of the president's family does not mean they should have a security clearance. And I it, it, and I and I'll also say this. I don't know if whether or not Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Jared Kirshner should even have positions in the White House due to nepotism. Um, how how are they qualified? I I, I don't understand. I don't well, care. personally, I wouldn't put it past Trump to give them positions in the White House just to do it. Just, just pure, the worst form of nepotism. Right. It's not a question of whether they need it or not. It's just he's trying to keep his kids close and give them jobs so that they have gainful employment. Right. So I mean, that would not surprise me in the least. So, so flash forward after Hillary Clinton installed her illegal email server. Hillary Clinton's emails started showing up on Wikipedia because people close to Edward, Edward Snowden were able to hack into her email server and extract emails, secure emails, sensitive emails, and plaster them all over Wikipedia. If you want, you can actually go to Wikipedia, do a search, Hillary Clinton, and, and you'll, you'll be amazed at what you find. And it's, and it's sensory overload. It's so much information that you, can, you have access to that I, I don't even know where to begin. And it wasn't just Edward Snowden and his partners, I guess, or his informants. What do you, I don't know what you want to call the people who 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 hacked the email servers for Edward, Edward Snowden. I don't know well, what you call them. The problem with the problem is Edward Snowden is smart enough to have done it himself, but I don't think he is tech savvy enough. I don't think he has the skills. Okay, Could, it's possible he does have the skills and did it himself but I can't honestly say yes or no on that. Right. And then we have Julian, so. As- Julian Assange is hiding out in the Ecuadorian embassy outside of, of, of London. And it's, it's hard to imagine that the, that these two guys had the power to hack into Hillary Clinton's emails by themselves where they're hiding in exile and uploading this information onto Wikipedia. It's not just them. Meanwhile, simultaneously, other government agencies besides Russia has access to Hillary Clinton servers. I mean, if you want it, you can get it. You can, I mean, people who wanted information, wanted to get dirt on what the government was up to, all they had to do was hack Hillary Clinton's email servers. Right, now... One point, technical point I want to point out is you're saying hacker servers, and that is the phrase that's being used commonly in the media and has been used commonly in the media. They don't actually have to do that. All they have to do is catch the emails being transmitted from that server. Um, so all they really need to know is either the MAC address or IP address and they can put basically a sniffer out there for lack of a better term and find out everything that's being sent from that server and then just grab it 
But now what about getting into the email server and you don't need it. Okay. You don't need to. All oh. you need to do is find out where that's cert It's like let's see trying to trying to phrase it for layman term in layman terms. If if you wanted to intercept or read someone's um, postcard that gets sent to right. them or from their house. All you have to do is go to their mailbox, open it up, and read it when no one's looking, and then you put it back in and close it. Okay. And that's essentially what all they have to do to get that information. There's ways you can secure against it. Like, for example, on modern email servers in the government, they actually are encrypted. Yeah. So they can take the postcard and they can read it, but it's in gibberish. And they would need to be able to crack that encryption code. Um, but also now they keep everything in uh, basically an encrypted transit. Um, encryptions really become very commonplace now on the internet. For example, if you go, most websites you go to, if you look at the URL at the top of your browser, yeah. it'll say HTTPS. That yes. S means that it's using a secured port on the internet. Yes. We and that's basically, you can think of that as a tunnel um, or to carry through with the, <laughs> with the metaphor we've been using. Um, instead of it being sent by U.S. Post Office where the guy's delivering just a whole bunch of email, it's a dedicated person who gets handed that walks it over and puts it into your mailbox and has a key to your mailbox that you have a key to as well. Right. His key is different from your key, but it opens up the same mailbox. That's more akin to how secure communications are handled within the government nowadays. And it's not just the government that does it. Um, you'll hear companies bragging about military-style encryption. Well, military's communications aren't any more secure than, say, the State Department to be honest. They use a different method for it, but in terms of overall security, it's not really any more secure. Right. And that's basically what it is. Right. Um, you can get you can get an email account that uses encryption in transit. You can that's stored encrypted, all of that other kind of happy shit. So um, I think with I think with with talking about Hillary's email server and saying that they hacked into it. Everyone envisions, you know, hackers and like they see on TV and in movies who are sitting in some darkened room typing frantically on their laptops and gaining access into the computer and they're actually looking at the, the server itself. Right. They don't have to do that. It's, and hackers are going to take the easiest route to gaining information because the more complicated the route is to get there the easier it is to leave trace that right. you've done it right you can set up a sniffer and basically set it up on the route so you know when it's going in and you just grab it as it's through there as it's going through there so you're making a digital copy which doesn't necessarily leave a footprint right. at least in the technology that they were using at the time it didn't right but so the truth is they can all of the emails that ever went through the Hillary Clinton server are out there on the internet. Somewhere. Right. Someone has copies of it or can get copies of it. Right. Um, but destroying them off the server does not eliminate the email from existing. But simultaneously, Jay, not to uh -huh. not to get there were people. There are stories out there. Maybe they're not written by people who are as sophisticated as you. But apparently somebody was able to actually like like 
log into her server and and copy all of her emails that were in her inbox mm-hmm. and the sent box all of these folders and 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 just upload them to wherever it is that they wanted to get them to to read later on apparently i don't know the problem is just for yeah. the sake just- they could have done that but they don't they didn't need to is is my point okay so i you know People throw around they they hacked her server. They don't nece- they didn't necessarily gain access to right. the server itself. Right. There but are they've gained access to the important part of what they need. Right. That's on but the so server. the thing is is that there is there are news stories about people having free access to her server. I think that that's I don't know if that's an important distinction to make or not. Well, uh, again, define access too. All right. Because. So- it, you know, the, we used to joke about it being in her, basically sitting in her bathroom. It was sitting in a closet. In her bathroom. <laughs> Possibly her bathroom. I don't know. That's, so the, any, that's the legend. The, that's the legend. For security reasons, the important distinction to make there is that um, that closet was not locked. Right. There was no lock on the door to that closet. Right. Which means anyone who had access to the house could go in, open that door, and have access to that server. Sure. There's ways you can circumvent security when you have physical access to the system. Oh, sure. So what I don't know is if that's what they mean when they say have access to it. I did read one article, but it was only one article, that said that it was not in a secured location within her house. Yeah. Now, you could argue that her house is secure, but again, the security measures required by the government at that time is that it had to be in a locked room. Not in a locked house, a locked room. Yeah. What? So if she was throwing, say she was hosting a dinner party for her friends. Right. Any one of those friends at the dinner party could have had access to that server because they had access to the house. And that is a security risk. Right. If the server is locked, it doesn't matter who goes into the house because they don't have physical access to that right. server. And with physical access, you can circumvent a lot of security measures. You know, you the stereotypical stick in a USB drive on like you see in the movies, they stick a USB a thumb drive into a USB slot and it downloads the entire 75 terabyte network onto a little <laughs> 250 gig thumb drive because the magic of movies. Right. Like, uh, uh, like that movie point of no return. <laughs> exactly. Where, or, you know, justice league. Where the one. Yeah. Where Bridget, you know? where Bridget Fonda had like, like two floppy disks one to download the information onto the disk <laughs> and the second disk that caused the computer to set its ass on fire that's a neat trick i'd like to that see is, that is that is that is that's that's really really kind of cool yeah you know setting a computer on fire with software <laughs> love it yeah so Just- Love it. I, I, so we don't want to get into how would you actually do that because I, I don't want another visit from the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, so to, well, actually, you can't with software. You can't set your computer on, <laughs> on on fire. That's like saying, "Oh no, I put this letter from my mailbox in my car, and now my car's on fire." Oh no, <laughs> no, Jay, no, Jay. I've seen it in the movies, man. I've seen it, man. <laughs> I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. Don't tell me Hollywood lies to us jay i can't handle it (laughs) oh my god like really you really mean to tell me that with all those motorcycle accidents that tom cruise has ever been in and all of those movies he doesn't have a single one was because he was wearing the color blue 
I can guarantee you of that. You mean to tell you mean to tell me that with all the accidents that Tom Cruise has been in in those Mission Impossible movies, he doesn't have some kind of internal damage or brain damage or something? Really? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to preclude one from the other. I mean, there's a definitely a stronger link between getting into a motorcycle accident and having brain damage than there is between getting into a motorcycle accident because you have a letter in your pocket. Okay. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm There's talking two about, separate things I'm, there. <laughs> I'm talking about how Hollywood lies to us. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. So the word access is, we're just going to leave the word access to Hillary Clinton's email server as a sort of like this vague, We, I mean, we know it's a fact, but the reality of it all what they mean when they say it the sort of access they're talking about what, what yeah. kind of access we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that and come back to that someday there's probably going to be right. links to the show page for this right. so the fact of the matter is is that multiple governments even our allies had mm -hmm. quote access to hillary clinton's emails and it was a right. it was a huge embarrassment and there was um I just got another email saying, hey, are you talking about uh, Joseph Mifsud this morning? <laughs> Shut up and let us do it. <laughs> I know. Let us know, man. Come on, man. So the thing is, is that Hillary Clinton was running for president. And Donald Trump was the, what's, what's the word that we're looking for? Um, he was the nominee. He, he was wasn't the, presumptive yet. He, he, was, he wasn't presumptive anymore. I think he, it was after he actually... Had won the uh, the primaries. So this guy, Joe, and I do. I want to. I I actually want to read this. This is back, and this takes us back to the spring of 2016. And I'm mm -hmm. going to read this directly from the Mueller report. And this is in the introduction to the Mueller report. Everything that occurs after the Mueller report, after this introduction, it just goes into finer detail. All right. So mm -hmm. from the Mueller report. Spring 2016, campaign foreign policy advisor George Papadopoulos made early contact with Joseph Mifsud, a London-based professor who had connections to Russia and traveled to Moscow in April of 2016. Immediately upon his return to London from that trip, Mifsud told Papadopoulos that the government, the Russian government had quote, dirt, unquote, on Hillary Clinton in the form of thousands of emails. One week later, in the first week of July, 2000, uh, no, May 2016, Papadopoulos suggested to a representative of a foreign government that the Trump campaign had received indications from a Russian government, from the Russian government, that it could assist the campaign through the anonymous release of information damaging to candidate Clinton. Throughout that period of time, and for several months thereafter, Papadopoulos worked with, worked with Mufsid and two Russian nationals to arrange a meeting between the campaign and the Russian government. No meeting ever took place. So that's, that's, that's pretty big. That's, that's, that's pretty damaging right there. Whereas we have this guy, Joseph Mifsud. And he commutes back and forth to Russia, and we don't know what we don't know what he's doing. Right. 
at this point, Papadopoulos is actually working for the Trump campaign as a foreign policy advisor. Right. So this, so this foreign policy advisor is having secret meetings with this guy, Joseph Mufsid. And you go to his Wikipedia page, and the thing is, is that this is where it's like, don't lie to me. Tell me that when you went to his, you heard the James Bond theme. <laughs> running in the background. <laughs> Don't lie. So what do we want to say about Joseph Mifsid um, f- from his Wikipedia page? Do you have, do you, is there any, is there anything interesting to interject right now? Um, basically at this point, um, in the connection to George Papadopoulos section, it says that Mifsis, Mifsid met Papadopoulos in Rome. They met again in London, and that was where Mifsid allegedly introduced him to a woman he claimed was Putin's niece, which is apparently false because they fla- they flagrantly say that it was falsely he falsely claimed she was Putin's niece. Mifsid has denied the report. Um. Then at a meeting in April is when he told her, told Papadopoulos that the Russian government had dirt on Hillary Clinton. Now, this is where my personal memory of the timing of everything is a little sketchy. Because this is uh, in April of 2016. Was Snowden in Russia at that point? Do you I, know? I don't Do you know. Remember? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't right. know. Right. And so... I'm, the only reason why I say that is I'm wondering if that was the source of the Russian government's quote-unquote dirt. Right. Okay. So apparently, at that point, regardless, Papadopoulos repeated the information to an Australian high commissioner in London who reported it to the American authority. Right. Okay. Um, so Papadopoulos at that point knew about the theft of the emails before it was publicly reported. Now, there's, they're phrasing it that way, Russia's theft of emails from Democratic sources before it was publicly reported. That was after Clinton was no longer Secretary of State, if I'm getting my timing correct. Because I remember there was, during the campaign for presidency, there was a problem with, <clears throat> excuse me, with Russia getting their hands on uh, Democratic emails during Clinton's campaign, during Hillary, Hillary's campaign. So this is all going off my memory, which uh, people should not entirely trust when it comes to timing of things like this. Do you know, do you remember? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I might keep 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 talking and, and and refresh my memory because at the while this okay. is in, yeah cuz you 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 triggered you triggered something else for me to bring up later on that I, that okay. so so yeah so papadopoulos apparently knew about russia's theft of emails from democratic sources before it was publicly reported so i don't think that has to do with hillary's email server which that whole thing blew up like two or three years prior to this um and papadopoulos publicly declared he did tell Downer about the fact that he offered dirt on Clinton, denied any recollection of communicating theft of emails to him. They launched an investigation of possible connect, uh, the FBI 
launched an investigation into connections between Russia and the Trump campaign. So that's his connection. That's Mifsud's connection to Papadopoulos. It's not like they were close friends, um, at least from my reading of this anyway, and various other sources I've looked into. They weren't, it's not like they were pals hanging out. Um, Mifsud had reached out to Papadopoulos um, after having met him previously. I don't know the circumstances of the initial meeting in Rome. Right. Um, the Mueller report in volume one states that Mifsud traveled to Moscow in April. And then when he returned, he told the Russian, told Papadopoulos that the government, the Russia had dirt on, yep. on Hillary. Um, and then he suggested, that it also says that Papadopoulos suggested to a representative foreign government Trump campaign had received indications from Russian government that it could assist the campaign through the release, anonymous release of information damaging to candidate Clinton. So that's Papadopoulos talking to Downer. Okay. Um, according to Mifsud, while he was interviewed in 2017 in February, this is after the inauguration. So Donald Trump is president this time. The FBI had not confirmed that they interviewed him, um, but is listed as a featured speaker at the February National Meeting of Global Ties, an event sponsored by the uh, U.S. Department of State Department. Um, then he left the U.S. in February. Prosecutors at the investigation into Russian interference was suggested in August of last year that a sentencing memorandum for Papadopoulos that they might have wanted to challenge, detain, or arrest Mifsud if Papadopoulos had told the truth about their interactions. Well, anyway. Yeah. So the thing is, is that we've had the investigation by the FBI into Hillary Clinton's email server. And there's the famous Grinch testimony testimony in front of Congress with James Comey talking about how Hillary Clinton didn't do, she, she can't be prosecuted because uh, she, she didn't intend to do anything wrong. And I'll insert the clip of that, um, yeah. you know, in, in the editing process. Point. So the thing is, is that, and a lot of people were left scratching his he their heads because he had said, in essence, if it was anybody else but Hillary Clinton, they would have been prosecuted. But for reasons right. we don't understand, she was not prosecuted for, and it may have had something to do with the fact that she was the candidate for, for president of the United States. And that, well, that would be the, the assumption. That's, yeah. that's the assumption. There's also wild conspiracy theories on, and I'm not going to give them too much credit, but apparently maybe the Clinton Foundation, the Clintons had something on James Comey. We've heard all sorts of like really crazy wild accusations. Right. But for whatever reason, Hillary Clinton and the, and the Clinton camp were not prosecuted for having an illegal server and that was, quote, hacked by foreign agents. Then there's the investigation into Donald Trump. And the entire investigation into Donald Trump hinges on Joseph Mifsud saying to George Papadopoulos and also speaking through this Australian um, agent. Downer. Downer. Anthony Downer, I think his name is. Uh, 
Alexander. Alex. So he's so he's so uh, Australian High Commissioner in London, Alexander Downer. Um, who later re- and I'm reading off of this this page. Who who later reported to American authorities that Papadopoulos had apparently known that known about Russia's theft of emails from the Democratic sources before it was publicly reported. So the thing is, is that Papadopoulos knew that this government officials emails had been quote hacked and the russians had copies of her email with incriminating evidence and we don't even we we don't even know what that is yet and right and now i don't honestly think we're ever going to because as far as i know all investigations have have been stopped right now simultaneously there's the steel dossier that was supplied to the to the clinton camp i believe through Fusion GPS, which is a Washington, D.C. think tank. And if I'm wrong, I, 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 I promise you, we'll post links to this as, on, on the podcast. Saying, and, and we joked about this, all of these crazy accusations about yeah. Donald, Donald Trump being in a, in a Russian hotel room, being urinated on yeah. by, by Russian hookers, just some, some crazy things. Yeah, it, it sounded like it was just them getting high in a freaking hotel room and right. saying, let's say this. And me, and meanwhile, Donald Trump is continuing to do business with the local government in, Mos- in Moscow, Russia, for the Trump Tower that he'd like to see erected if he doesn't become president. And that that in and of itself, that's, that's sketchy. And that, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, He's not helping his supporters by continuing to do yeah. this. Mueller report, yeah. Mueller reporter report comes out, and we read part. We read the the, the entire letter from uh, Attorney General Barr in a previous podcast. I'm going to reread these two paragraphs, and I'm going to hit you with another truth bomb. The special counsel's investigated determined that there were two main Russian efforts to influence the 2016 elections. The first involved attempts by a Russian organization, the Internet Research Agency, IRA, to conduct information and social media operations in the United States designed to sow social discord, eventually with the aim of interfering with elections. As noted above, the special counsel did not find any U.S. person or Trump campaign official or associate conspired or knowingly coordinated with the IRA in the efforts. Although the special counsel brought criminal charges against a number of Russian nationals and entities in connection with these activities. Second paragraph. The second element involved the Russian government's efforts to conduct computer hacking operations designed to gather and disseminate information to influence the election. The special counsel found that the Russian government actors successfully hacked into computers and obtained emails from persons affiliated with the Clinton campaign and the Democratic Party organizations and publicly disseminated those materials through various intermediaries, including WikiLeaks. 
Based upon these activities, the special counsel brought criminal charges against a number of Russian military officers for conspiring to hack into computers in the United States for purposes of influencing elections. But as noted above, the special counsel did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone else associated with it conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in these efforts, despite multiple offers from Russian affiliated individuals to assist the Trump campaign. It's not like they didn't try. <laughs> it's not like Now that almost that almost sounds like an exoneration of the Trump campaign. Almost. It, almost. It almost with Donald Trump, like so I'm waiting for the however. However, the orange orangutan then stick, stepped in it. And amphibian. <laughs> so anyway. So then in doing some of our research here, one of the articles that we've come across, and I mention this only because it does a better job explaining it to, to us, it's the Chronicle of Higher Education. What the Mueller report reveals about the globe-trotting professor who spoke of dirt on Clinton by Jack Stripling, April 18th, 2019. And they go on for a, a very, very long time. It goes into his entire, what we think we know about Joseph Mifsud. This article does a great job putting, piecing all, all the pieces together from the Mueller report. Mifsud worked for Russia's IRA. One of the things that... Well, we- there's, there's, there's actual... Um, not sure how factual that is. Right. Because he was connected with Stephen Rowe, who apparently was the real guy who had close ties to Russia. And apparently Mifsud and Rowe are like best friends or something. That seems to be the connection. But as to my understanding, Mifsud never directly worked with the federal, the, the Russian government and in not in any direct fashion. Doesn't mean he didn't, just means there's no direct evidence of it. That's just my understanding, though it's entirely possible, even likely, that I am incorrect. But it was worth pointing out. So So it's important it's it's important to point out that later on and other reporters and I got and I'm giving these people credit where credit is due, is that yeah. Mufsid apparently has worked for the one of the organizations that's responsible for fake news on Twitter and Facebook about Donald Trump. How come there's no mention of this in the news? How come this isn't a front page news story? Joseph Mifsud's ties to Russia's internet research. Well, yeah, and, and why why wasn't why the hell wasn't he ever charged with lying to the FBI when they have pure, clear evidence indicating such? And of course, I might play the clip again of Representative Jim Jeffords, Jim Jeffries, I'm not sure what it is. Um, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. Jim, I'm going to play the clip of Jim Jordan asking Robert Mueller, how come Joseph Mifsud was never charged with the crime after they've discovered that he lied? He, he lied to the grand jury. He lied on several occasions. Director, the FBI interviewed Joseph Mifsud on February 10th, 2017. In that interview, Mr. Mifsud lied. You point this out on page 193, volume one, Mifsud denied. Mifsud also falsely stated 
In addition, Mipsid omitted. Three times he lied to the FBI, yet you didn't charge him with the crime. Excuse me, are, did you Why say not? one, I'm sorry, did you say 193? Volume one, 193. He lied three times, you pointed out in the report. Why didn't you charge him with the crime? I can't get into uh, internal deliberations with regard who would or would not be uh, charge a lot of other people for making false statements. Let's remember this. Let's remember this. In 2016, the FBI did something they probably haven't done before. They spied on two American citizens associated with a presidential campaign, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. With Carter Page, they went to the FISA court. They used the now famous dossier as part of the reason they were able to get the warrant and spy on Carter Page for a better part of a year. With Mr. Papadopoulos, they didn't go to the court. They used human sources. All kinds of, from about the moment Papadopoulos joins the Trump campaign, you got all these people all around the world starting to swirl around him. Names like Halper, Downer, Mifsud, Thompson, meeting in Rome, London, all kinds of places. The FBI even sent even sent a lady posing as somebody else, went by the name Azra Turk, even dispatched her to London to spy on Mr. Papadopoulos. In one of these meetings, Mr. Papadopoulos is talking to a foreign diplomat, and he tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. That diplomat then contacts the FBI, and the FBI opens an investigation based on that fact. You point this out on page one of the report. July 31st, 2016, they open the investigation based on that piece of information. Diplomat tells Papadopoulos, Russians have dirt, excuse me, Papadopoulos tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. Diplomat tells the FBI, what I'm wondering is, who told Papadopoulos? How'd he find out? I can't get into the evidentiary file. Yes, you can, because you wrote about it. You gave us the answer. Page 192 of the report, you tell us who told him. Joseph Nifson. Joseph Mifsud's a guy who told Papadopoulos, the mysterious professor who lives in Rome and London, works at teaching two different universities. This is the guy who told Papadopoulos. He's the guy who starts it all. And when the FBI interviews him, he lies three times, and yet you don't charge him with a crime. You charge Rick Gates for false statements. You charge Paul Manafort for false statements. You charge Michael Cohen with false statements. You charge Michael Flynn, a three-star general with false statements. But the guy who puts the country through this whole saga starts it all for three years we've lived this now. He lies, and you guys don't charge him. And I'm curious as to why. Well, I we can't get into it, and, uh, and it's obvious, I think, that we can't get into charging decisions. When the FBI interviewed him in February, FBI interviews him in February, when the special counsel's office interviewed Mifsud, did he lie to you guys too? Can't get into that. Did you interview Mifsud? Can't get into that. Is Mifsud Western intelligence can't or Russian intelligence? Can't get into that. A lot of things you can't get into. What's interesting, you can charge 13 Russians, no one's ever heard of, no one's ever seen, no one's ever gonna hear of them, no one's ever gonna see them. You can charge them, you can charge all kinds of people who are around the president with false statements, but the guy who launches every, the guy who puts this whole story in motion, you can't charge him. I think I'm that's not, amazing. I'm not certain, I, I, I'm not certain I uh, agree with your characterizations. Well, I'm reading from your report. Mifsud told Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos tells the diplomat. The diplomat tells the FBI. The FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016. And here we are three years later, July of 2019. The country's been put through this. And the central figure who launches it all lies to us 
and you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again, and you don't charge him with a crime. Yeah. Um, in the Mueller report, it goes on for about three or four pages about all the disinformation that we gathered from Joseph Mifsud. And the thing is, is that it's like, if Mueller knew that Joseph Mifsud was lying, why continue on with, with, the, with the investigation? If you well, why acting, why, you can continue on with the investigation, but why would you act on intel you've gotten from him? And the only thing that makes sense to me, and I'm just a layman, is they had other things that were supporting it, or they were under orders to track it down no matter what. Like, go down the rabbit hole, no, no matter how deep it goes. Just keep going. And, right. and, and tell us what you find. Right. And that's, I mean, if you have corroboration between what he says, I understand that. But if you don't, the investigation's invalid at that point. Because you're not acting on anything that's provable, that's going to stand up in court. And if you're conducting a legal investigation and you're the FBI... There's no other reason to conduct an investigation unless you get actual intelligence that will stand up in court. So the $10,000 question here, or, the, or, or, or with inflation, <laughs> the million-dollar question is, at what point should they have looked at this and said, okay, we're no, we're no longer looking at, at, at Donald Trump and collusion. We're now looking at this mysterious character with these strange ties to organizations that are kind of like, we'll get into his, his, his college in a minute or two. Yeah. But, but, but the thing is, is that there are, in the letter from, and we have this, this is, and this is one of the things that when I read this, it sort of made me stop and realize, oh my God, this is a, this is a bigger story. That This is the biggest story nobody is covering. Going back to May 3rd, 2019, this is a letter sent by, what's, what's, what's his name here? I got to scroll to the bottom here. This is embarrassing. The Noons, the Noons letter. Yes. Um, what is it? It is Devin, Devin Nunes. Nunes. Devin Nunes. I'm just going to, I'm going to read a couple of opening paragraphs and tell me, tell me when to stop when you get the point. Joseph, okay, this is to uh, Dear Secretary Pompeo, Directors Haspel, Makestone, Ray. Joseph Mifsud is a London-based academic who has a long affiliation with Rome's Link Campus University. The school, as described below, appears to have many connections to Western governments, although Mifsud himself has been portrayed as, living, as having close connections to Putin's regime in Russia. On Thursday, April 18th, 2019, the Department of Justice publicly released Special Counsel Robert Mueller's report on the investigation of Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election. The report includes numerous details on Mufsud, who told George Papadopoulos that the Russian government had dirt on Hillary Clinton comprising of thousands of emails. Papadopoulos later revealed this information to others, which served as the official pretext for the FBI to open a counterintelligence investigation into whether Trump's associates conspired with Russians to interfere with the 2016 political election. After investigating 
the matter for approximately approximately two years, the special counselor, quote, did not establish, unquote, that such a conspiracy existed. The special counsel report portrays Mifsud as having deep ties to Russia, detailing his trips to Moscow with extensive contacts with Russian officials, including a one-time employee of the IRA, meaning he was a one-time employee of the IRA, a Russian organization that conducted social media attacks on the 2016 UX elections. The description is consistent with the portrayal of Mifsud by House Intelligent Committee, Democrats who pronounced him to be a cutout used by the Russians to feed information to Papadopoulos. The special counsel's report ex- explains that Papadopoulos met Mifsud at Link Campus University, which the reports describe simply as a, quote, for-profit institution headed by a former Italian government official, unquote. It cites the description in the article to The Guardian, but omits the additional information found in The Guardian article. One time Rome-based professor claimed Link Campus had a reputation for being closely connected to some elements with the Italian intelligence services. Mifsud is... Now, Yep. go ahead. I'm going to stop you there for a second. Um, That's the first time I've ever heard that. Okay. That he, that supposedly... He had ties to Russian to uh, Italian intelligence. It, it, yes, it, you know, I mean, that seems rather important. Aren't isn't Italy our nominal ally anyway? I'll, I don't know. I don't know now. I don't know today. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, get back to me next week. It's getting It'll back. Be different. Getting back to the newsletter. Yep. The special counsel reports further. Uh, report further omits any mention of a wide range of contacts Mifsud had with Western political institutions and individuals. According to open source reports and other publicly available information, in addition to his role at Link Campus, Memphis also served as an official to Malta's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, a member of the team that negotiated Malta's entry into the European Union, president of Slovenia's Euro Mediterranean University, director of London Academy of Diplomacy, which trains students from all over the world in diplomacy, a trainer of Albanian diplomats in their efforts to gain European Union membership, the moderator of a panel at the 16th Dora Forum in Qatar, featuring former Norwegian foreign affairs minister, foreign French prime minister, Spanish foreign affairs minister, and foreign and former French justice minister and others. And a fil- I love it when they throw that in there. And specific, and specific, others. specific, specific, and vague. And then it goes on to say about all of these places where he's been, like, all many of his public appearances, they go on to list. Moreover, photographic evidence shows Mifsud has been in close proximity to influential Western political and government organizations such as officials and the organizations participate in Lincoln Campus University. And the thing is, is that here's a picture of Joseph Mufsid, former mm-hmm. uh, former uh, British Foreign Secretary. Isn't Boris Johnson. What's Boris Johnson's new job? I don't know off the top of my head. Let's just do a quick search. The- Already on it. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson is Prime Minister of the UK and leader of the Conservative Party. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, here's the other thing too, right? Mifsud. 
his best friend, Stephen Rowe, that I mentioned, yep. co-owns Link Campus University. Uh-oh. He's the so, co-owner of it. Yeah. yeah. So so here we go, back to, if, back to the letter. If he's yep. a Russian, yeah, if he's a Russian agent, if Mifsud is a rough Russian agent, or even Stefan Rowe is a, is a Russian agent, they're doing a bang-up fucking job, dude. That's really kind of impressive. I need to insert Blofeld's theme song in <laughs> he here. It does look like Blofeld. Which one? <laughs> the tele- he's, he's got he's got a problem with the Donald Trump haircut. Where like you know, it looks like it's either a really bad haircut or a really bad wig. Either way, here, I imagine he's bald underneath there, and I can just imagine him as Blofeld. You know. Get ready to wet your pants when I read this to you. Okay. Double, you know, you you better double up on your depends undergarments. If Mifsud, again, yeah, if Mifsud has extensive suspicious contacts among Russian officials, as portrayed in the special counsel's report, then then an incredibly wide range of Russian institutions and individuals may have been compromised by him, including our own State Department. And who is the head of the State Department? We'll skip over who that. Who was? Who was in charge of the State Department? Uh, depending on the timing, it could have been Hillary Clinton. Okay. Because she didn't serve all just, eight years. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Indeed, both the United States and many of our allies would be obligated to run damage assessments to determine what sensitive information Mifsud may have conveyed to the Russians and what Russian disinformation may have been spread. In fact, this could entail a major scandal for the U.S. and allied governments. Alternatively, right. I mean, this is not this is not playtime anymore. I mean, you're talking. Am I am I burying the lead here? Am well, I? I? I don't think so because it all boils goes back to who the fuck is Joseph Mifson? And I'd like to point out that we don't even know if he's alive or dead at this point. Well, don't spoilers. <laughs> I'm going to try and read the rest of this letter, and if it if because the thing is, I think okay. So the last two paragraphs. Alternately, yep. if Mifsud is is not in fact a counterintelligence threat, then that would cast this this right here. Okay, if you're done wetting yourself, you're gonna mess yourself another way here. Alternately, if Mifsud is not in fact a counterintelligence threat, then it would cast doubt on the special counsel's fundamental description of him and his activities and raised questions about the veracity of the special counsel's statements and affirmations it would know it would it should be noted that the special counsel declined to charge Mifsid with any crime even though to justify seeking a prison sentence for Papadopoulos the special counsel claimed Papadopoulos' untruthful testimony under undermined investigators ability to challenge challenge the professor Mufsid or potentially detain or arrest him while he was still in the United States. Furthermore, it's still a mystery how the FBI knew to ask Papadopoulos specifically about Hillary Clinton's emails on multiple occasions through 2016 through 2017 before having interviewed Mifsid. If the FBI hadn't already somehow received this information directly or indirectly from Mifsid himself, 
Next paragraph. In order to better understand those matters, I respectfully request that you provide me with copies of all the information in your departments and agencies' possession related to Joseph Mifsud, including emails, all relevant reports, records of his contact, and any element of the U.S. government. I also request written answers enclosed classified list of questions pertaining to these matters. Please provide these responses no later than Friday, May 10th, 2019. Please contact the committee Republican staff, blah, 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 should you have any questions. Why the hell is this not mainstream news? How come Fox, MSNBC, CBS, CNN, PDQ, PBS, Cats and dogs sleeping together, wow. total other chaos. Why? Oh, how come this is not a bigger news story? Because, Eric, there was a number of people that were killed over the weekend with guns. So we've got to rehash a conversation that we've had dozens of times that is fruitless and goes nowhere. But you know what I'm saying, Jay? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. So now, now, now that you've spoiled it, by the way, we have no idea. We have no idea if... Yeah. This guy who is so crucial to what is going on in our internal politics in terms of like the hissy fit shit. Did, we have no idea if he's alive or dead. We should do a quick search. Did Devin Nunes get his report? Yeah, because that was sent out, was it Tuesday, Monday? No, that letter that I just read off to you that was shortly after the Mueller report. This dates back to May 3rd, 2019. So they had about two weeks to... to, to um, oh, they he just went out a response, not, you know, by the 10th. So they had about a business week yeah. to respond and say, yeah, we'll get you, we'll get, we'll get to it. We have no idea. And we, and to be fair, they probably won't respond in any public manner. Oh no, no, they won't do that. They yeah. won't do that. And they're and, and it's fucked up, dude. And, oh, it's fucked up. And on top of that, now there are a lot of people who are starting to call into question. Um, what what the hell? What what the? Yeah. Hell? I mean, what? I mean, here's these questions for Robert Mueller. Robert Robert Mueller didn't detain Mufsid, didn't follow through with Mufsid. Now, here's a follow-up. Right. Well, Here, here's... The, the, my question is, these are all questions for Mueller, right? Um, Nunes previously had stated that he didn't believe Mueller actually, which would make sense. He doesn't have to have necessarily written it, but he's clearly not as familiar with it as he should be. Given the, his performance during the congressional hearing, is it likely we're ever going to get everything that we're asking for out of Mueller? And I think the answer is no. I think whether whether it's um, just lack of understanding on his part of what's in the report, his you know, unfamiliarity with it, in, in spite of the fact that you think he would be intimately familiar with it, whether it's just age, doesn't matter. Um, Clearly, he's not going to be able to answer very many questions on it whatsoever. I also got to be careful here because I one of the things that I wanted to read to you, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it looks like it has a 
video that's primed and ready to go to interrupt us. But the thing is, is that uh, Devin Nunes, quote, FBI won't share info on Clinton dirt tipster Joseph Nefsid. And he did an interview on, on Fox where he, where he talks to the anchor and he says, the FBI is not cooperating. The FBI is, is silent on what's the story with Joseph Nifsid. So the thing is, is that I'll play, I'll, I'll play that clip for you later. But the thing is, is that one of the things that the FBI is not coming out, is not sharing information on Joseph Nifsid that we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else who received that letter has been cooperating so jump ahead, jump ahead to the, the part, the part that you want, you are dying to tell this last bit of the story here about Joseph Nefsid. No, 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 you do it, you do it. No, you do it. You want to do it. <laughs> All right. So, man, my brain's fried. Um, what is... No, you say it because I'm forgetting now. All right. So I'm just going to read this off of the Wikipedia page here because this is such a juicy part of all of this. And all of you kids at home, you can skip ahead and you can do a Google search. Joseph Myths have disappeared. Yeah. This is one of the things here is, is that, and this is from Wiki, This is from Wikipedia, but it's, it's been borrowed or plagiarized from a, a, another source. So this is... This is pretty amazing here this is exactly what you would expect at the end of a spy novel or a spy movie according to a filing in the u.s federal court in the case of democratic national committee versus russian federation in september 2018 mifsid is quote missing and and may be deceased mifsid's whereabouts are unknown and he could not be served with the complaint he spoke to his girlfriend on the on Halloween, October 31st, 2017. The next day, an Italian newspaper revealed that the professor referred to the news reports about Papadopoulos was Mifsid, and she had not yeah. heard from him since then. According to CNN, he has gone, quote, underground, and it was last seen on November 6th, 2017, at Link University, a private university in Rome where he was teaching at the time. In September 2018, an Italian court described his location as, quote, residence unknown. In September 2018, a few days after the DNC filing, his associate Stephen Rowe told the Daily Caller that he had gone that he had gotten an indirect message from a quote really good source unquote indicating that Mifsid was alive and living under a new identity. According to media reports, he was last seen in Rome, April 2019. So this guy. Is if he is a spy, he's a fucking super spy. He is a he is. I mean, either that or Italy is not as close a friend of ours as we thought. Because Stephen Rowe, Link University, where he was last seen, is the owner of one, the co-owner of Link University, right? Yeah. And then Stephen Stephen Rowe tells the Daily Caller he got an indirect message. And media reports say he was in Rome as of April of 2019. But when I do Joseph Mifsud disappearance, or let's do this. Uh, current 
location. Uh, let's see. A company's director is alerts. This is from BuzzFeed on February 11th. His director represents Mist had changed its name to No Vichok Limited after the Salisbury attack. All right, so that seems not terribly relevant to what we're doing. Uh, here we go from June 30th on the Washington Post. Right. The enigma of the entire Mueller probe focus on origins of Russian investigation puts spotlight on Maltese professor. Uh, skipping appearance. Uh, skip to the end. Little networker. Blah, blah, blah. To do, do. Visit to Rome. Here we go. Yep. They... February 2017, he was in the U.S. Um, privately funded, not affiliated with... Blah, 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 blah. While he was in Washington, FBI, FBI approached him in the lobby of his hotel, questioned about his interaction with Papadopoulos. Um, yeah. Any, we don't know where the hell he is. We don't know. That article was completely helpless. Yeah. Useless. And then, and then, of course, Nunes decides that he's going to make some um, inflammatory comments and statements about members of the DNC, colluding with... Right, which is maddeningly unhelpful to the situation. No. It really is. It's completely... It's obfuscating at this point. You're just pointing fingers for no reason whatsoever. Right. Well, if it- you wanted to be helpful, um, I think... Starting to make, you know, make a personal attack on Joseph Mifsud. Maybe he'll, you know, pop his head up out of right. the shadows. But, you know? But the thi- um, go ahead. But the thing is, is that it's only until recently that people have really been starting to ask honest, genuine questions about Joseph Mifsud. Who is he and where did he come from? Christopher Steele and the Steele dossier and his ties with Fusion GPS. There's all, you just go down these rabbit holes and at the end of the rabbit hole, at the bottom of the rabbit hole, there are these, these moments where you have to stop and think and you got to realize this can't be real. This is a, this is a nightmare. The, the idea that maybe one guy said all of these, all of these, all of these investigations in motion, the guy who is now the DNC or the DNC was going after him and his hacks and how he hijacked um, Hillary Clinton's email server information and influenced the election. And it does it, it raises a question. And I think it's I think it's an important question here. Was this a mitigating factor in Donald Trump getting elected? And should the should the DNC as an organization start looking at fi- criminal charges against these people? I mean, regardless of how I feel about Hillary Clinton. Right. I don't like the well, woman. He- and I'm public about it. I don't like the woman. I know, I you know, yeah. I ha- I have not liked Hillary Clinton as a person since the mid '90s, especially when I read one of her books. It takes a village. Yeah. There are aspects of her that I find disturbing, 
But the thing is, yeah. is, if she lost the election due to meddling, then I think that uh, I think the American people have a reason to be pissed off. But the thing is, is that instead of looking at Donald Trump for 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 collusion, we should be looking at these government agencies, these foreign en- entities. I, I I we don't even we don't even know who who's who's paying the light bill for the internet the, the russian internet research agency who who who's yeah who's who's paying their bills who's keeping them afloat well i think it's also important to to remember that it would be the height of ridiculousness and downright irresponsible to not think that foreign governments are going to try and interfere with our elections. Oh, sure. I mean, it's ridiculous to to think that we haven't been taking that into account prior to the election of Donald Trump. Um, certainly during the Cold War, they, the Russian government had a vested interest in messing with our electoral process. It'd be a great way for them to disrupt it. I think right now our political climate is so openly volatile that it's easier for them to mess with it. All they have to do is get the right news agency to print the right kind of story, and then it, it'll obsess the entire news cycle. You know, It'll completely disrupt everything in terms of communication. Um, it'll make it difficult for any of the candidates to actually discuss what they want to discuss because they're going to have to answer to that. And we're kind of seeing that a little bit now with our own media in regards to like the um, the Democrats that are vying now for office, right? Yeah. For, you know, the, the Democrats, the, the party of what it, what is it? It's down to like 22 now or something ridiculous, right? But yeah. they're having to ask answer questions about how they feel about Trump because that's the questions they're being asked. That may not be with the topics they want to discuss. No, I mean... Tulsi Gabbard, as we've mentioned earlier, seems to be someone who's flat out stating, I don't want to talk about him. I right. want to talk about, you know, what I want to bring to the table. What happens on, and I keep, what yeah. happens on January 21st, her first full day in office after she's elected? That's more that's, important and she was right. on, and she was on. But that's not what she's being asked, and that's the example of how our process are, is so fucking delicate and easily disrupted. Not because federal governments have done anything to mess with us, but it's because of our own narcissistic obsession with ourselves and our own politics. Right. And to some extent, you know, you and I were guilty of that in you know the in the the late 90s, right. early 2000s. We were part of that process. We were part of that obsession, you know? And I think you and I both can admit it didn't really do us any favors. Well, no. I mean, the thing is, is is that it's all a part of, like, Clinton derangement syndrome. Right. Whereas, and the thing is, is that we're so obsessed with Monica Lewinsky and the blue satin dress. It, we never bothered to look at the further into... Uh, what happened, you know, with the State Department changing the jurisdiction of satellite technology that was sold or yeah. given to China? We're so busy wondering about, you know, um, 
his Bill Clinton's extramarital affairs, we never bothered to really look at what what was he actually doing that was actually treasonous, or was he right? Is if it, anything right? If anything, is it regardless just regardless of whether it happened or not? That should have been more of our concern than who he was diddling in the White House, if he was diddling anyone, because how does that affect? Well, depending on the person he's diddling, that could affect our politics. But Monica Lewinsky was just an intern. She right. was someone who was getting involved in politics, and she was walking the halls of power. And she was a she's a victim, right? More than anything. And I feel horrible because, to some extent, I'm part of the people that victimized her. You know. Because of the obsession. So, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things where, looking back on it, I can see where my own obsession with Clinton when he was in office. And I can see it happening to the Democrats. And there's a part right. of me that's like, oh, don't be a fool like I was, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of that. Because the thing is, is that the biggest controversy, like, we've, I, I just did a quick search. And the thing is, is that, we never talk about the Cox report. And that's, and a chronological, I'm just going to read this, is a chronology of information re relating to the People's Republic of China's nuclear espionage against the United States. In detailed in the Cox report, the timeline also documented information revealing to the relevant investigations and the reactions by the White House, the U.S. Congress, the FBI, and the U.S. State Department. Because apparently, the controversy was that China, foreign agents from Chinese for, Chinese agents, government agents, military agents, allegedly gave campaign contributions to the Bill Clinton re-election campaign. And a couple of years later, um, there's the nuclear espionage incident. And, there, and also there was the, the missing hard drives in um, Los Alamos during Bill Clinton's tenure. And a lot of people were speculating, did Bill Clinton exchange nuclear information with China for campaign contributions? Oh, well, but here's, here's the thing. He was getting a blowjob in the, in the Oval Office with, with, with a young intern who's only a few years older than his daughter. Oh, let's nail him for that. And it's like, it's ridiculous. It is. It is. That should that should have never been something that we fixated on. But some of this we only know in hindsight. I remember yeah. hearing about um, the the Chinese. I think they called it pay for play scandal. Right. Um, I remember hearing about that at the time, but I don't remember obsessing over it. And that right. should have been what we were obsessing over, but we didn't. We should. Know, I'd like to think I'm older and wiser now, but probably not. You know, I'm just not as passionate about um, any given party right. at this point because they're frankly not worth it, in my opinion. They're not. Can, they're, they're not worth your love and adoration. No, they're not. They're they're really not. I mean, they're. It, it doesn't matter if you're talking about the the Republicans or the Democrats. Um, they're more obsessed with pointing the finger at each other than actually doing anything. Oh yeah, we may have done that, but look what they did. Look what they did. What is this, high school? Yeah, no, junior high. Yeah, you know, it's just... Get it's, it straight, It's Jay. ridiculous. Sorry, sorry. This oh, is yeah. this is sort of like the kind of behavior you would expect from 7th and 8th graders. 
Oh yeah, like, these are the people who think of themselves as the leaders of our country. And he made yeah. Why the hell? That that's something that kind of annoys the hell out of me too. People will say that Congress is our our leadership. Right. No, Congress are not leaders. People in Congress are not leaders. They are a debate club. They're the most exclusive debate club in the country, but it's a debate club. They don't lead anything. There no. are leaders within the, each of the debate clubs, the clubs that are in the debate, but right. they don't lead the country. The leader of the country is the president, and the president has to deal with Congress, but they don't make decisions that affect our day-to-day -day lives. I don't know what to tell you about that, but, but the, th the thing is, is that we're getting off track yeah. here. We're getting, because the thing is, is that our intelligence agencies are failing us. Our own CIA, FBI, DOJ, NSA, these agents are failing us. Because if you have, can you can have somebody like Joseph Nifsid manipulate us to the point where we spend two years and a couple of million dollars doing an investigation into the president of the United States. And, and whether, basically we're chasing our tails. We're chasing our tails here. And the thing is, is that we have foreign agents influencing our elections. Yeah, and, and, but again, that shouldn't be a surprise to us. No, I mean, no, it the shouldn't. The only surprise is at we're actually letting them. The surprise, the thing that should really upset people is that you have these foreign agents who can so easily manipulate us through our partisan hatred of each other. And they're able, they're, they're being accused of influencing our elections when there are other things that are going on. And, I'm, I'm, and you look at the history of these candidates. You look at somebody, how, the, how did Donald Trump ever become the Republican nominee other than the fact that people are so hurt and desperate? They'll try anything new once. There's, well, they're, they're pissed off. I mean, the truth is Donald Trump is president because people on the right felt that they weren't being heard. So they went with the ex extreme opposite direction as they possibly could. My personal opinion is that Donald Trump is not a conservative. He's not a dyed-in-the-wool conservative. No. He's an opportunist. He saw an opportunity that no one was speaking to the frustration of the people on the right, some of the, especially some of the fringe elements, and he started talking to them. And he, they were so happy that they had a voice that they, they voted for a guy who frankly did not deserve the votes that he got. No. And it's all an exercise of frustration because our parties are so convinced that they're right, that they're not willing to listen to anything the other side has to say, which makes it easy for them to be manipulated by the foreign powers like Russia, like China, who want to just mess with our elections. China and Russia really don't give a shit what we're obsessing over as long as it's not anything important right and as long as it leads us further down the rabbit hole of uh, hate and discontent that we are no longer talking to each other because because the more divisive we get the happier they are because that means we're going to obsess over our own shit and not worry about what they're doing and what has Russia done? What has China done while we're doing all this shit? I mean, you could say, yeah, well, China's devaluing its own dollar because they're pissed off about Trump's foreign trade policy. Great. 
okay, I get that. I understand why they're doing it. it. Makes sense to me that they would do that. They artificially associated or inflated the value of their money with ours so that they would be able to use that as a tool against us. And it worked. Yeah. Or is working. Yeah. So, okay, I get that you're doing that, but are they really pissed off about that? Or is this just another thing that they're doing because they know it's going it's to inflame yeah. an already volatile situation? Here, Here is the problem boiled down for me. Mm-hmm. If you're an American citizen and you're a Democrat, you have to believe Republicans are the ultimate evil in the universe and you must do everything you can to stop them. And if you're a Republican... You have to believe that Democrats are the ultimate evil in the universe, and you must do everything in your power to stop them. Meanwhile, there are actors out there who are doing far more damage to us than we could possibly imagine, and we can't imagine it because we're not paying attention. The idea that you have to believe Donald Trump is the ultimate evil in the universe, and if somebody tells you... Or that he's... Go ahead. Or that he's the ultimate good. Or he's the ultimate good. If you honestly believe that Donald Trump is the ultimate evil in the universe, and somebody says to you, hey, there's a P-tape, and Putin is using it to embarrass the president and get him to do what he wants. Because you think that Donald Trump is the ultimate evil in the universe, you're going to believe that regardless of how ridiculous it sounds. If... (sighs) And it goes the other way too. Oh, so sure. Same thing on the on the on the Democrat on the Republican side about the Democrats, which is just so infuriating. That are we really that childish and myopic that we can't see how easy it has become to manipulate us? If you, you say know, there's something, there's been a lot of a lot of comparisons between the United States and Rome, right? And eventually. The United States is not going to be the world's only superpower. We're not going to be the most influential in the world. That's just human nature. No one holds on to power forever. And no nation will hold on to power forever. And there's been a lot of studies and comparing us to Rome. But I don't think that's what's happening. We're not necessarily imploding from within due to our own machinations as directly as Rome was. Rome didn't have anyone influencing their elections because they had gotten so selfish and myopic. We are. Yeah. We are. We're getting to that point. I don't know that we're there yet necessarily, but we're damn fucking close. It certainly feels that way. And here's what's... Here's when a, the hell are we going to wake up? Here's the scary question. Here's, a, mm-hmm. here's an even scarier question. The Fedora Chronicles has done an hour and a half... Of, of, of raw audio on this topic, on the topic mm-hmm. of Joseph Mifsud. I think that's an hour and a half more, or <laughs> that's an hour and 20 minutes longer than many other news networks have done combined on this topic. And the thing is, is that... And we only have access to search engines. We only have access to search engines and people calling me up saying, you should really do a show on this topic. Yeah. And and for and I and here's the thing. I hope we got to the point that he was hoping that we would we would get to. Because the thing is, is like yeah, I'm, I'm. Or he'll tell us if he didn't. If we didn't. I'm wondering. 
I mean, have we gone as deep as we can go down the rabbit hole before um, before we start sounding like crazy conspiracy theorists, you know, hiding out in our in our houses in the middle of the woods or out in the desert, you know, <laughs> wearing a little tinfoil hat. You know, I mean, yeah, that ship may have sailed. <laughs> I, you know, I mean. And, and it's like, and I, I did have, here's the thing. Did we go down the rabbit hole far enough? Or, well, how deep does the rabbit hole go? Or have we gone down too far and we're jumping to conclusions that we shouldn't be making? The, I think the most important question that the, that the mainstream media should be asking, Jay, is mm-hmm. who is funding Joseph Mifsud? Who is Joseph Mifsud's boss? Or who was, because what apparently if, he's alive but not alive. He's changed his identity so thoroughly that governments are not able to find out who he is. Like, what if he's dead? Really? Like, what or if, if he's what, even alive or dead? What if he's dead? Not an unfair question. I don't know. For some reason, maybe I've watched too many gangster movies, but I imagine he's lying dead in a ditch somewhere after the, he got a hearty handshake from some member of Russian intelligence saying, you've done a good job for us, Joseph, then pulls out a twenty-two and shoots him in the head. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't help but wondering, is Martin Scorsese going to do um, the Mifsid story starring Joe Pesci as Joseph Mifsid? And it's like, <laughs> are, 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 you know, are, are we going to have a, are, are we going to have a, a, a montage at the end? Where where jo- where all the people who are associated with Joseph Mifsud are, are getting killed, are getting are getting axed with a voiceover from um, Robert De Niro, De Ni- at, Robert De Niro as Robert Mueller, <laughs> and you know, hey, it was all bound to happen. You knew it was going to happen. You knew the Russian. It was mafia. just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time before somebody had to clean up business. You know. <laughs> And, and you know, and 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 you and you see this this uh, Russian this Russian general with a chain wrapped around his ankles, and it's like the camera slowly pans down to the bottom of the ocean, where it's a cement brick, you know, <laughs> that's attached to it. I, I mean, I'm telling I'm telling you right now, Robert De Niro is Robert Mueller. Joe Pesci is. Joseph Mifsud. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it certainly does have all the elements of a Hollywood blockbuster. It really does. And here's the thing. Do you think that you could get Alec Baldwin to play Donald Trump straight? Not as an over-the-top caricature? Um, do you I think, don't think he'd have to. Do you think that, do you I, think... Honestly, I think... I think People are so enamored with his depiction of him that they don't even care that it's a caricature. Do you think that Martin Scorsese could get Alec Baldwin to play Donald Trump straight? Not over the top, just over the top enough. Oh, uh, he probably could. I mean, especially if it's going to make Trump look bad. Baldwin doesn't like Trump. But, you know, I mean, uh, what's his name? Brolin, not Josh Brolin, but his dad. Um, James Brolin? Married to Barbara. Yeah, J- yeah, James Brolin. Um, James Brolin, yeah, thank you. He played um, 
he played Reagan. They're not fans of Reagan. No. You know? And but that was supposed to be an unbiased look, which I got about 30 minutes into it. was like, oh, yeah, it's biased. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can't have the husband of Barbara Streisand do a movie about Ronald Reagan without it being biased. Right. But the, but the, the thing is, so. is that here, here I, would, I would love to have somebody travel back in time 50 years from now or 45 years from now and saying, Eric... You were right. This was the biggest thing since Watergate. Or is this going to be like the biggest thing since the Kennedy assassination? Whereas, yep, hey, we got the killer. We got him. We got Lee Harvey. That's it. Stop the investigation. We got the killer. Don't worry. We got him. There's no vast government conspiracy. Pay no attention to those gunshots from behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll. Pay no attention to that. Right. Ignore the fact that his head went the wrong way after oh. he got shot. Right. To have been hit from that direction. Well, who, Ignore are you, that. who are you going to believe? The Warren Report or your lying eyes? Yeah, right. I don't know. Um, I think some of the greatest political stories are not ones that have hit the headlines. You know what I mean? They're the stories that got buried for whatever reason. Because it would rather discuss gun control because there was an off chance that it was that it might paint someone the media likes in a bad light. When I understand when I say the media, I don't mean I'm not indicting the the left wing media. I'm indicting the media in general. Because can you imagine Fox News running a negative story about Donald Trump at this point in time? Yeah, you know what? You know what? They can do everything they can to bury it. Do you know what? I, 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 this is one of the things that I, I really enjoy about our friendship. I can actually tell you, I can actually say, no, Jay, I, I don't agree with you. I think that there could come a time in the not too distant future where Fox News could turn on Donald Trump because Donald Trump is starting to turn on Fox News. I could see that. I could see that yeah, happening. But he would have to do it. It would have to be, he would have to have done something first. I think right now they're so blindly cheerleading him that I, I don't think they're doing themselves any favors, really. Um, I don't think they would print something negative about him unless he's given them a reason, and not because he's done something stupid, but because he's actually assaulted them in their integrity in some way. 18 hours I ago. I honestly believe that. 18 hours ago, The Hill. Trump lashes out at Fox News. Shepard Smith says fake fake news. CNN is better. The honeymoon is over. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, is there going to be a Republican challenger? Um, uh, a Republican in name only, William Weld, is apparently going after the party nomination. And maybe I, was, I, I lived in I lived in Massachusetts when Governor Bill Weld was was when Bill Weld was governor. Yeah, I mean you're not. It's not hyperbole to say he's a Republican in name only. No, but is the Republican Party what it used to be? No, no, ne- of neither. Because ne- the thing is, is that um, in doing research for this podcast, I was listening to some old, some. 
episodes of the Jimmy Dore show that is almost two years old. And Jimmy and Jimmy Dore goes off on a tear on why Donald Trump won. When mm-hmm. voters have the choice between a Republican and a Republican, they're going to vote for the Republican every time. That's a quote from Jimmy Dore. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> when your only choice is a Republican and a Republican, that's the only choice that you have. And I'm getting another yeah. alert here. I'm getting another alert. I'm getting signals. Um, but this, this, the simple fact of the matter is, is that um, I think the honeymoon is over. And I think that be, now, now, that, now that the Fedora Chronicles is starting to call out Donald Trump, uh, calling out, now that the Fedora Chronicles is starting to call out Fox News for being too much in the pocket of Donald Trump and other news organizations are starting to say they've lost their fair and balanced aspect. Now it's just the Trump news network. Now they're going to snap in the other direction. I think. I don't know. They might, they might not. It, it depends. It depends on how things go. Um, there's always the chance of an, another story popping up that causes uh, a, a course correction. Um, I just short of Donald Trump saying something, directly about Fox News, I don't think that's going to happen. In other words, there's no story that can come out on CNN that's going to cause Fox News to say, oh, they were right about Trump. I don't think, I don't think they, that exists. Fox, Fox would have to cover it up. I mean, Fox would have to uncover it. Right. They, well, they would have to uncover it, and then they would have to have a reason to use it. Because right now, they're, they're making a lot of money off of being the Trump News Network. Well, and... Uh, they really are, I, and, be, and and I know that we only have five minutes. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lay this out for you, and I'm gonna make a prediction. Calling people calling people who don't agree with you, racists, white nationalists, Nazis, bigots, fascists. That's diluting those words. You don't like anchovies as much as I do on a pizza. You're a fascist. You've just diluted the word fascist. If you're going to call, if somebody doesn't like Ray in Star, The the Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and and The Rise Mm -hmm. of Skywalker, or if you don't like Brie Larson in Captain America, well, you're a misogynist. You've just diluted the word misogyny. You've just diluted those meanings of those words. And that's what's going to get that's what's going to get you in trouble. Because here's the thing. First of all, I don't support Donald Trump. I won't be voting for him in the primary. I'm I'm going to switch parties for the day. I'm going to pretend I'm a Democrat for the day and I'm going to vote for Tulsi Gabbard if she's still in the running. And the, and I'm saying this on on August 8th, 2019. You, you they keep calling people names. And you keep diluting the words. You're going to get people to say, I don't care what you say about me anymore. Yeah. How things are going now, because this, the, the networks are underreporting stories. The network bias is making it very easy to say, I, I don't care what Rachel Maddow said last night. I don't care. She's lied in the past. She's been wrong in the past. I don't care what she says now. 
I don't care if you have video of of Donald Trump beating his kid on live television. I don't I don't care if you have video of Donald Trump propositioning an underage prostitute. I don't care because there's deep fakes, there's fake news, there's biased news. I can't believe what my eyes tell me anymore. Right. You've been wrong so many times about this guy. The economy is great. North Korea has quieted down. Well, North Korea is starting to make noises. Again. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just a, saying from yeah, the perspective yeah. of somebody in November 2020. Right. People are going to say, I, and they're going to vote for this character. They're going to vote for the orange amphibian again. Yep. Because they're sick and tired of being called something that they know that they're not. Yep. And they're going to say, oh, and your, your, your niece is, is taking you to task at the Thanksgiving Day table, Thanksgiving 2019, and, and, and calling you a bigot and calling you a racist after everything that you've done for her. And, and you don't even support Donald Trump. You didn't even vote yeah. for him the last time. You might actually do it again because they're wrong about this. What else are they wrong about? And that's dangerous for this country. And we've, we've, we've used hyperbole so much. We've ruined and diluted everything. The meaning of words. Words have sort of lost their meaning. Calling somebody a Nazi doesn't have the sting that it used to a couple of years ago. And that's fucking bad. Yes, it is. And that's I'm really, really bothered by that. So call me that an is... call me an anchovy yeah. Nazi all you want. I don't care. I'm still having my pizza with anchovies and pineapple, and you can't stop me. <laughs> Do you have any final words, Jay? Yeah. <sighs> I think the one of the things we need to kind of take away from this is that we need to start paying attention to ourselves and realizing what it is that we're doing that's making that would make it easy for us to be manipulated without realizing we're being manipulated um are we getting so vociferous in our support for a particular party or a particular candidate or even a particular cause that we're not willing to open our eyes to some of the failings that that cause may have. Now, someone very close to me has pointed out that I can be a very negative person when it comes to uh, causes and and people that I, I won't necessarily stand up for them. And that person was absolutely right. I can be because I've been bitten. Yeah, you've been burned. Um, you've been burned. I've been burned. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm saying that as... You know, that's something I have to look at. Is my own bitterness preventing me from supporting some very good causes because they're not perfect in my eyes? Right. You know, and intellectually, I don't expect them to be perfect, but am I blinded to that? And that's just me personally. I mean, I think we all could use a good hard look at ourselves to say, why am I supporting this party? Why am I supporting this candidate? You know, am I blinded? by it right and that blindness could be that you are so blinded by not liking a particular party or cause or whatever that you're not opening your eyes up to the good things that that thing that that party or candidate or whatever right. or cause is doing you know i think 
we, we, we oftentimes blind ourselves. And I think what's happening in the media here is that they are so partisan on either side that they become easily manipulated by foreign operators, whatever, that they can just do it. Yeah. You know, they can, all they have to do is say the right thing. And you just want to believe it's so bad that you're not going to pay any attention as to the validity of it because it's just plausible enough that you don't feel you have to investigate it. Oh, I can totally see them doing that. So you yeah. jump on it. Yeah. You know, I think that's something that we all as individuals need to take a look at. Yeah. Um, that's something that I don't think a lot of people can do um, without having to do some introspective look at themselves um, beforehand. So... I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. We'll yeah. have to see how things go. Um, this is what all of this has taught me, though. And so I'm I'm definitely going to be trying, trying to take a good hard look at myself. What is important to me? What causes am I willing to stand up for? What causes am I not willing to stand up for? You know, am I blind to looking at certain things for because of an over-fondness or an over-hatred yeah. of it? Because I think that, if anything, this Mueller investigation has proven that our own internal decisiveness and narcissism has made us easily manipulated. Yeah. Where one schmuck can cause the entire nation to get into an uproar. Right. That's not right. That's not healthy. That's not healthy for us as a nation, as a society. Yeah. So. I'm going to just say, I'm going to end this by saying, I think that in the realm of con government conspiracy theories, I think that um, Joseph Mifsud should probably get person of the year. He's never going to make the cover of Time magazine for being the person of the year. But I think Joseph Mifsud is the guy who, um, right now for 2019, he's the poster boy for conspiracy theories run amok. So, yeah. So thanks for another amazing show, Jason. Um, Thank you, Eric. This is always fun. Yeah. Always fun. You've survived another podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Find out more about us by visiting our homepage, thefedorachronicles.com. You can support the show by visiting our Zazzle page. Exactly 12.5% of every purchase goes to keeping this and other shows on the Fedora Chronicles Network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Or you can become a Patreon. Click the link, and for a mere dollar a month, you will get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're working on, and so much more. Thanks for all your support in advance, and thank you to our listeners who have already contributed. Don't forget to search for the Fedora Chronicles on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we will be keeping you posted on what's happening. Be sure to join the Fedora Chronicles radio show Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Fedora Chronicles news. On behalf of Jason and myself, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. Keep your chins up and your fedoras on.